0: requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamaru Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shakers Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. just fired up to be here today.
2: pretty cool! Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me this morning is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning! Good morning! It's uh, Wednesday, October 14th. There's, uh, not really much basketball news
1: out there. Uh, yeah, right, Andrew. You you revealed a big scoop to me right when I got on. Huge scoop. Uh,
2: the, the Thunder are uh, apparently going to interview a guy named
1: Dan Craig. Never had heard of him before. Turns out he's been with the Heat for 17 years. If you would like to... Uh... For
2: those of you that are joining us on Periscope or YouTube, uh, I'm going to show you a a picture of Dan Craig just to get familiar. And this is, to me, this has kind of been what I've thought all along, is that it's going to be somebody that you've just never heard of. It's going to be like when they picked Darius Baisley in the draft. It's like, who? And you might be vaguely familiar with them. But uh, I mean, it, it's you know what? It sounds good to say the Thunder are hiring a heat assistant, right?
1: I know this is how it usually works in the NFL, like the team that makes the Super Bowl or wins a Super Bowl, their offensive or defensive coordinator is like the hot guy. And everybody just wants to grab that guy and try to replicate what that team did. And so, yeah, it makes sense from that perspective. Like, obviously, the Heat looked really good, and everything about their organization and culture seems amazing. So, if yep. you can get the guy who's been there for 17 years and is now the lead assistant with SPO, I mean, how could you not be? Ex- and he's only 38, so you can have him for another Craig. 38 years. Perfect. It's perfect.
2: Dan Craig, hot guy, Dan Craig. Hot guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, I mean, it's going to be somebody like this. Dan Craig, Will Hardy, who's out of the Spurs. uh, It's going to be somebody like this that they're going to interview. And you're probably not going to hear a lot about it. And then they're just going to one day release the Thunder have hired Dan Craig, which if you can see his face right now. He looks like the most Dan Craig guy
1: ever. Wow, I'm looking at pictures of Will Hardy now, though he he must be super young. Yeah, he's he, very young. He looks even younger.
2: Yeah, we can we can pull up some pictures of Will Hardy as well. Wow,
1: he's only been now he's only been with the Spurs since 2013. Yeah, when he started as a video coordinator.
2: Yeah, he interviewed with with the um yeah look how young he looks in this picture. Uh, he interviewed with uh, the Knicks and the Knicks were very impressed with him. Look at him. He looks like he's 14 in this picture. Yeah. But yeah, he's a guy. He's totally a guy. He's
1: a guy that they could hire. He looks like he could be on down to dunk (laughs) on an average week. (laughs) And They were bringing in our new friend, Will Hardy, went to high school with the guy. I think you guys are really going to like him. (laughs) Maybe we can get Will on the pot. (laughs) Just now
2: and just see what he's up to.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's exciting. I'm just waiting for everything. Although, did you see the article by uh, John Hollinger where he kind of mapped out the next year? And it's all, of course, very tentative. But it at least made me feel like, okay, finally stuff is about to happen. Like he was saying by early to mid-November, they're going to set the salary cap, Mm -hmm. figure that out. Then we're going to have the draft on the 18th. We're probably going to have some type of free agency starting in December. So we're going to have a lot of news to talk about through then. And then he put as a target date, January 18th, which previously from people like Bill Simmons, I had heard, you know, MLK day or even later, but John Hollinger was saying that January 18th is really the last or the latest you could go and not have to overlap with football at the end of the year. If you want to do a full 82 game season, Mm Mm-hmm which still sounds crazy because he's saying like doing 82 game season in 150 days. And obviously it wouldn't look like a normal season. They would try to cut down on travel to make that not as insane as it sounds, but that's exciting. That's yeah. not too far away. It's, re- it's really not. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if it were pushed even further back,
2: but it's, that's two months. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's going to be, Oh, that's three months. It's going to be a, it will be a wild three months. I mean, it's going to be quiet really for maybe two more weeks and then stuff is going to start trickling in.
1: Yeah. Like all the, all the, I mean, I'm so excited about this draft. We can just jump right into it. Cause I'm getting more excited the closer we get Yeah. only because the uncertainty at the top, that's, what's like hooked me in the fact that, No one in the league is really certain that either the teams in the two top two spots, two top two spots, (laughs) really want to make that pick. Right. And so Sam Vecini just released his, I don't know what number mock this is. Is this number eight or something? Yeah. 8.0. 8.0. And he, and the first, my first takeaway from reading this was that no one really knows what the T-Wolves And what the Warriors really want to do. And he was talking about how there's kind of this dichotomy between their two approaches where the Timberwolves are super silent. No one knows what they're going to do. Whereas the Warriors have been leaking like one thing a week. Right. In fact, the most recent one, I think it was that Devin Vassell guy saying that they like him enough to like take him at two if they have to, but they, they might want to try to trade back. There's
2: no way you take them to sell at two. Like, I like <laughs> the, the sell a lot.
1: There's just no chance you take him at two. There's just right. no way. But it's a really interesting question for both of these teams because you don't get a top two pick every single year, and so you feel like you have to do something with it. And they're all trying to maximize whatever value they can get out of it and for a lot of people in the league right now it seems like maximizing that value doesn't necessarily mean taking anyone with that pick right. but then of course you have to figure out a trade and no one's really thrown out any like great trades that i've seen so far
2: yeah i think i mean miles turner is definitely one that makes sense for the for the warriors to me yeah some iteration of miles turner back to the warriors because you're not guaranteed to get somebody as good as miles turner in this draft <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> right. I mean, you can. I mean, at number two, I mean they have he has James Wiseman sitting there, and that's just for the purpose of that he thinks that if somebody traded for this pick, that's who they would take. Uh, but like, James Wiseman's not guaranteed to be as good as Miles Turner, and he's perfect for the Warriors, right? Protects the rim on the defensive end, allows them to ha- to play bigger. Like you could play bigger with the Warriors with him and still have Draymond as your 4 and then on offense Draymond becomes your 5.
1: Right. And that it was it was in this article or was it somewhere else the idea that one of the responses to the Lakers championship is that the other contenders need to make sure that they have some cavalcade of big men that they can throw out there yeah. for when, when they need them. Not necessarily like you have to have a starting quality center but you have to have some big man to match up with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's Kevon Looney. It's probably not. Probably not Kevon Looney. Hey, but okay. So before we get into this, we should start with the thunder because we have nothing else to talk about. And Sam Vecini chose a guy for us. And so we have to pretend like this is who we're actually going to get. And look who it is. It's a guy we talked about last week. Yeah. Rivals.com. I was looking for guys who are ranked highly coming out of high school, might have fallen. And Isaiah Stewart was one of those guys. Yeah. And you poo-pooed it. You poo-pooed it. You said he's a dinosaur. He was in Jurassic Park. He's he's <laughs> not he can't do anything in the modern NBA. But let me read the people out there what Sam Vicini says. He says he's one of the most liked bigs by front offices due to his terrific work ethic and motor. He was one of the most productive players in college basketball last season. Evaluators are also big believers in his ability to shoot the basketball. Folks who went up to Washington's practices this season said that he was knocking down shots from distance with ease. He also hit 77% of his free throws. Ultimately, though, Stewart will be a rim-running, rim-protecting five who rebounds it well and provides a tough interior presence now what's bad with that that sounds pretty good yeah he's groundbound. there's
2: that like, he's not a great athlete and I mean people I mean the same stuff was leaking out about Sabonis during the draft that oh Sabonis hit 80 out of 100 threes in his well win. yeah and now he shoots threes
1: Do, but he doesn't really he doesn't well I mean he, sh- he he shot a, he shoots more than I mean, I don't know. I just, I read that description. Yeah. And it seemed like there was some upside there. And then I factored in that that he was like number two or whatever we saw on rivals.com coming out of high school.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's
1: like, he's just a monster. Like he is like, he's in high
2: school. Like this is like playing against this just gigantic monster, man. I mean, he's going to kill all the high school guys for sure. But then you get to the NBA, like he's not seven feet. Is one thing about him, he's six foot nine, and he, he's only a center. Like only period, that's it. You could even pretend that Sabonis was a four. You could pretend it. You can pretend it next to Miles Turner. Oh, he's the four. Oh, whatever. You, you're not going to do that with Isaiah Stewart. I mean, his
1: to me, his upside is he's your backup center. Why? But you know who else is a six nine center? Who? bam out of bio bio. (laughs) tell me tell me why isaiah stewart isn't bam out of bio he's just not
2: the athlete he's just not even close to the athlete that
1: you say that then why was he ranked so highly coming out of high school i mean kendrick perkins was ranked highly coming out of high school yeah but that was a different time this is in 2020 this guy was ranked this highly byron don't call me bj mullins number one baby Big guys,
2: big guys are are typical. I mean, those guys just destroy in high school because no one's that big in high school, right? Yeah, but it's not. It's not like he's a crazy seven footer. I know, I know. But even six foot nine. Was there one guy that was six foot nine on our high school basketball team?
1: Like I don't think. There was. Um, well, Sam Bradford is seven feet tall. I was going to say Sam
2: Bradford is the tallest guy on the team. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would be way more pumped and jacked if they took Leandro Bomero. Way more pumped and jacked about that. Why? He's this 6 foot 8 international forward. He can, he's got great great feel for the game. He's really more of a guard than a forward, like the way he plays is he's more of a guard. And he he's going to be a role player type of guy as well. Obviously, I mean, you don't get to this part of the draft and be like this is a star but he's a guy that will fit in with an offense he's just got great feel for the game and I I want guys that have good feel for the game and has good size and he can score off the bounce some like Trey Jones, meh, Malachi Philan, meh. Xavier Tillman kind of interesting he's kind of similar to Stewart Then, um, like Tyrell Terry like take a swing at Tyrell Terry He's, he's the problem is he's really short like too short but some people mm-hmm. have said he's grown. Some people say he's six three now. If that's true, then he has to be a first rounder.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but I don't know if that's true or not. It's funny when they're like, "This guy is six foot one in shoes," or he's six foot one in socks. <clears throat> like why? Like who measures guys in socks? Like when, they're never going to play on the court in socks. Like why would you measure them in socks?
1: I don't know why they do. it. I don't know why they do a lot of what they do in the pre-draft process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so fine. You don't like Isaiah Stewart, even I, though you should. I think that Stewart will be a pro. I think he will for sure be a pro.
2: And if and if all you're looking for is to land a guy that will be a part of a rotation as a big guy, then he'll be. I mean, he'll play. I mean, he'll play next year. And that doesn't. That would not surprise me if he played next year.
1: Now, what do you think about Sam Vecini's comment that, you know, Steven Adams is on the way out. It would be a nice guy you could slot in. Like, do you think the Thunder, in their the way they conceptualize this team in the future, are planning to have another traditional center?
2: I just have no idea, to be honest. I have no clue. I think, Even, I, and it's not a foregone conclusion that Steven's just gone. I mean, Steven's not 32. Is he not? No. <laughs> no. He could stick around for a little while. I mean, his contract expires. I mean, I just have a I one I have a hard time believing they're going to trade him just from the standpoint that I don't know that you could extract value out of him at this point.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm thinking more like, you know, you let Isaiah play behind for a year, then the year after you unleash Isaiah Stewart Everyone's like, wow, how did he fall? Look at this big man they found. Yeah, no one says that, though. What are you talking about? It happens all the time. Like who? Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert, yeah. Nikola Jokic. Yeah. The big, those type, like, big guys just fall, mm-hmm. especially more recently. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like you're getting more value. And instead, of you're just, like, shooting, taking a shot in the dark on one of these wings. Whereas Isaiah Stewart has more pedigree than most of these guys around him. Yeah. Number two recruit. He does. Five star. Like
2: I would, I would, I would, and I like Jalen McDaniels has a higher ceiling, certainly, but his floor is like he's out of the league. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like the description of him. He's not I he's he scares me big time. Like I'd rather take Isaiah Stewart. They were actually these guys were teammates at Washington, but I would rather take I'd rather take Stewart just for the fact that uh, you know this is a rotation guy.
1: This is what Sam said about Jade McDaniels. He also showed intermittent flashes of immaturity and emotion, resulting in six technical fouls and poor body language on the court. He also fouled out on a somewhat astounding eight times while playing on the wing. Over one quarter of his games played, while not displaying a high-level feel for the game. He also had a strongly negative assist-to-turnover ratio. And those turnovers don't even account for the shot selection based mistakes that result in the same outcome as turnovers. <laughs> that was a that was a pretty devastating couple of sentences there. Yeah, that's for a... Jaden. Yeah, I don't. I would. I would not.
2: I would not. And I don't. I mean, he's like Perry. He's like your Perry Jones Redux. Apparently, you know, that's what he is. Oh, 2.0. Yeah, Perry Jones two
1: Oh, I'm back in now.
2: I'd be in on Josh Green. I kind of like him. He's your he's your wing that you know that is probably he's a he's a thunder wing. He's the guy that can't really shoot but has good length and athleticism. I kinda like him. Uh, but you can go to the athletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for one dollar a month. That's it's only through podcasts right now. So make sure that you do that. Uh and it would it would uh, really be nice if you would enter in theathletic.com slash down to dunk and, and subscribe just one dollar
1: be great. Um, some other things that jumped out to me one RJ Hampton, yeah, going from number 21 in draft 7.0 to number 12. And based on this description, the main reason that has happened is because of those videos that came out <laughs> showing him shooting in an empty gym, those have been the main thing that have swayed people because his shot form looks so much different now. It's the only it's the only thing that's happened really draft wise. <laughs> yeah. And that... now he's a lottery
2: pick. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean if the shooting's real, then yeah, you have to, like you have to take him in the lottery. I mean base I mean there's a lot of guys in this lottery that I don't love. I I would I'm gonna feel really bad when The Hornets take Anthony Edwards because I'm just not a huge believer.
1: Yeah, I know. I, the especially Sam was talking about how James Wiseman would fit really well for them, and that was the first time I'd really thought about it. And I was like, you know what, that would be a nice fit for them. Like, I hope they get Wiseman. I do too. I want the, I would like some good fortune for the
2: Hornets, but if they, if Wiseman's taken second. And they feel like they have to take Anthony Edwards just because he's high on every mock draft and it's kind of like this like groupthink pick. <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm just not a huge believer in him. There's I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, I would even take Obi Toppin over him, maybe. I don't know. I just he's he's a kind of guard that's like he's very Dion. He's very, very Dion.
1: And yeah, and that's what the apparently some of the executives were comparing him to Dion Waiters, which is not a great comparison at this point.
2: No. Like I would a like Halliburton. I really like Tyrese Halliburton. I like Okoro. I'm 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 leaning more Okoro over Edwards just because Okoro is gonna play so hard. And if if Okoro he's another guy that if his if he can shoot. He's a star, but it's a big, if Like it's a, it's a big ask to get in right. there. But if he gets there, he's a star. Edwards doesn't give, didn't give the same energy and effort all the time and didn't defend well. And a like just did it all the time. And so like, if I'm the Hornets, I mean, I might trade back <laughs> and let somebody else risk risk Anthony Edwards and, and take a or take, um I don't know I would take Toppin I would take Halliburton. I, he's to me he's he's such a big risk. He has huge upside because if he hits then he then he is a star. But if he misses then you're probably trading him in 3 years.
1: Yeah, it it kind of seems like he's destined to put up a lot of inefficient stats on a bad team.
2: Yeah, and the the Hornets have enough of that with Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham, right? Like that's, that's what those guys are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then you add, you add Edwards to it. Man, I just, I would feel really bad for the Hornets if that's the case.
1: So the other question I wanted to ask you is, you know, every year, depending on who wins the championship or who makes the finals, somebody tries to find a player on one of those teams to like replicate, like, can we replicate this model in any way? And I don't think teams are necessarily looking at the Lakers saying, Hey, we just need to go get another Anthony Davis. We can add that guy to our team. We'll be great. But (laughs) Bam Adebayo does represent kind of like a new version of what centers can be, although he's kind of a continuation of Draymond, but that type of playmaking five has become more and more common in the league. Mm -hmm. And now we've seen multiple examples where it's been successful. So who is going to be getting the bam bump? In other words, who are the maybe undersized centers that have a little playmaking and that are going to go much higher than they're currently projected simply because teams are like, who this could be the next bam. And I think I know who you're going to say, but tell me.
2: Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's in Yekka Kongu for sure. And then, uh, Precious Achua is is another one as well. I also think Okoro is going to get the uh, the Jimmy Butler bump because he's like this big, strong wing that rebounds and defends and gives effort all the time. He's like he's very Jimmy and doesn't shoot real well, <laughs> so he's very Jimmy. And so he's I feel like both those guys are going to get this heat bump where like you could see Okoro taking like fourth in the draft. And it's because like, wow, look what Jimmy Butler just did. And he didn't shoot threes. He didn't have to. You know, Okoro doesn't have to shoot threes to be effective to change the game for us. And it may be right. right. I mean, that may be that may be right. I mean, he may, he could end up being the best wing in the draft. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, just because he does have that ceiling with the shooting. The shooting has got, he's he's got to be a better shooter. But I mean, that's that's in play for him. But yeah, there's there's going to be this heat bump. And Wu is always going to be a top 10 pick. Let me see, where does he have Precious? Also, like Patrick
1: he, Williams is another guy that when you look... Yeah, that the- was a guy reading about him. It kind of was intriguing. He's a little bit shorter. He's even smaller than Bam, but he has a huge wingspan. Yeah. And he talked about how he might have this untapped playmaking potential.
2: Yeah, he's he he could be like if there is a Draymond of this draft, like that could be Patrick Williams. Uh I'm a I really like Patrick Williams.
1: He was a, and he's super young. Look at that age,
2: Andrew. He's very young and he 18. He was projected. He was one of those guys, he was a um five-star recruit type of guy. Like pedigree all over the place. So he's I I'm a big Patrick Williams guy. I like that. He's rising in these mocks because it, to me, it makes sense. Like definitely over guys like Aaron Naismith, who is like just a shooter. Definitely over, uh, Kyle Lewis. Um, then like precious is a guy that is rising as well. Like he could be getting the Bam bump some cause he's, he's a really good defender. Um, and, and is super mobile, uh, and will definitely be a five. So he's to me he's a guy as well that was in like the 20s like mid 20s and he's rising. So the, those guys to me are are getting the bump like this Miami Heat bump.
1: Um I'm looking over now if there were a guy and I know you've talked about with this, Mikey, but now that you've thought about it a little bit more, you've probably been reading more draft coverage. If there was one person that the Thunder, let's say they're trading up to like eight. So you're kind of ruling out the top guys but maybe they can get up to eight. Why'd I pick eight? Just a random number. Just a random number. (laughs) Not associated with anything else. Uh If they were at eight, who would you be targeting? Also, by the way, Sam Vecini has the Knicks taking Devin Vassell, which just seems like such a letdown. I know that he can be something, but Knicks are coming in. They have a new coach. Mm -hmm. Actually, I've been thinking about this because we we were were saying last week that uh, the Knicks probably aren't going to give up their eighth pick for something. But then I was reminded about the Jimmy Butler offer to the Timberwolves when they had Tom Thibodeau as their head coach, Mm -hmm. where the Rockets offered them four first-round picks plus salary filler for Jimmy Butler, and he didn't want to do it. Instead, taking the guys Robert Covington and Darius Sarich because he knew that those would help him win. So you know that Tom Thibodeau is coming into this wanting to win because that's what he's wanted to do every single place he's been. He's never really been like a long-term developmental type of guy. So I don't know, just seeing a name like Devin Vassell, where you're just like, okay, like he could, he could be good, but mm-hmm. I'm almost more convinced now, now that I factored Tom Thibodeau in, into it, that they might be willing to trade the eighth pick if they can get back real NBA players.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Vassell is somebody that I would consider at that spot for sure. I'd, ha- I'd hate him on the Knicks, by the way, because they don't have a point guard. I mean, he's, the a guy that needs a lot of time to get his shot off. He's not a guy that's going to create his own shot, but he's he's a three. He's like strictly like a three and D wing that can occasionally attack a closeout and hit a mid range jump shot. But he needs time. He he took few threes in college this past year just because he does need time to get that shot off. And there's no space at Florida State at all. But he's a good. He's going to be a good defender. He's got good length. He's not huge. He's only, he's, but I do think that he's a guy that will be a a wing role player in the league for a long time. But I don't like him on the Knicks at all because I think that you need somebody that can set him up.
1: Uh, And you also need a coach who will play him.
2: You need a coach that will play him. Like I like him on the Wizards a lot, uh, especially if John Wall can come back and play at all because he's a guy that sets up, He set up more, I think Fred said the other day that he is still like number one in corner three assists, even though he, in the last five years, even though he sat out all of last year. <laughs> so I like him on the Wizards a lot. I don't like him on the Knicks. If the Thunder were to trade there, I would take a Kong Wu. If a Kong Wu was there, I'd take him
1: without hesitation. Without hesitation. And give me the quick 30-second pitch for Okong-woo.
2: Uh He's 6'9". He can guard everybody.
1: Hey, you know who else is 6'9"? Hmm. Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> we can wait on him. Same size. Okay, St- not convinced. Keep going. Stewart guards fives, period. The end. <laughs> Okongwu can guard everybody. Well, and based he, on their height, he's got... Sound pretty similar. Right. He's
2: uh He's got like really good touch around the rim and he's got pretty good feel as well um and he's just so aggressive like you just watch him just go even just watch his highlights for five minutes and like he's the easily the most aggressive guy on the court and he's not going to back down he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of dunks on people like in their face and so to have a to have a guy like that setting a screen Who I think will be a great screener in the NBA, setting screens for SGA, uh, playing next to a guy like Baisley is perfect. Where he's not a, he's definitely not a traditional center for sure, but he's gonna run the floor like crazy as well as Baisley does. And I'm just, to me, those guys together are, I mean, to me, that's a start of like a building block for sure. And then if you're going into next year and you're tanking, and this isn't really the, this isn't really one of your picks that you think is going to take you to the top, but he could be certainly the starting center of the future for the thunder. I mean, another guy you could consider is like, Oh, go ahead. We'll we'll
1: stay. So on Yucca, is there any upside in terms of shooting and or playmaking ability? Yeah, I think
2: probably more playmaking is, is possible. It's really it's hard to say though, but if if he's only like a rim running guy, but he's different than like a Capella because he can defend everybody and he can move with everybody. So he's not a he's not somebody that will necessarily get played off the floor for that reason, hmm. which I really like. I really like him. I don't know why he's going nine. I feel like he should go a lot higher than that. I mean, if I'm the Knicks, I'd rather have him. I don't know that they've already got their center position.
1: Something related to that. Uh, so. Ben, what is Ben's name? Thinking Basketball. He has a podcast. He also has a YouTube channel called Taylor. Thinking Basketball. Taylor. What Ben Taylor? Ben Taylor. Yeah. At the end of every season, he does his top 10 players in the NBA Mm -hmm. and he just released that YouTube video and I was watching it and he had some really interesting stats. Of course, I don't remember what stat it was, but he was talking about how certain like quote unquote traditional centers, but not even traditional because he included Brooke Lopez and Miles Turner Mm -hmm. and whatever this stat was um, about like their defensive impact. There's been a significant drop off when these guys get to the playoffs Yeah. Even someone like Brooke Lopez or Miles Turner, who we think of as like a, you know, modern five who can shoot and also defend. But his big example with it was Rudy Gobert, who in this stat had gone from like second in impact to 54th in impact when he got to the playoffs. Um, And I'm assuming one of those reasons is because when I do think of those guys, even the ones that I think of as a stretch five, they don't really guard everyone. And wow. so someone like Anyeka, if he can guard everyone on the court, maybe that's like what the real modern five needs to be Yeah. as opposed to just shooting threes. I mean, that used to be all we were talking about. Yeah. You know, if we could just get a big, uh, if we just get a center who shoots three. If we can just get Steven Adams to shoot threes, yep. we'll have unlocked everything. Yeah. And Kong was really
2: young. He's 19. And he oh, he, I like that. he would have some potential to shoot corner threes as well. I think. I think that I don't think that's not there. So for all those reasons, I I really like him, and I I also just like I like having guys that give max effort all the time like that on your team, especially on a young team. Whereas if you take, like if like they came away with a Kongu, that'd be great. Like, but if you came away with like Jane McDaniel's, like okay, great. Like this is like another dude that's gonna be just playing Xbox all the time and being late to practice and, and not doing everything you want him to do. And like you just don't want those guys. Like, I just don't, especially with a rebuild, you don't want those guys. Like, you want guys like Okongwu. If Killian Hayes is there at nine, like, he's very intriguing as a guy that could play next to SGA. He's kind of similar to SGA. Um, his, if his jumper is real, then he's going to be very good. And so, to me, he's, he's interesting. Patrick Williams is also a guy I would... I would consider even as high as eight just because he's the six, like he's a, he's a wing. He's probably more of a four, which is like, if you really believe Darius Baisley is your forward of the future, then maybe you don't consider Patrick Williams. But to me, I feel like he could play some on the wing and I'm, I'm a big fan of him.
1: Man. KOC would love it. If we got Killian Hayes, we moved up for Killian Hayes.
2: Yeah. That would be interesting. He would. He would be very high on the Thunder's <laughs> potential. Um, he's very left-hand dominant, which is a little bit scary.
1: I like that. I'm left-handed. Yeah, <laughs> that's a positive. But
2: Akonga is my answer. He's my guy for eight, no doubt.
1: But yeah, I, going back to the Knicks, I'm just like getting more and more convinced that they're going to make just a ton of moves in the in the. Hopes of making that team competitive. Mm -hmm. If only because their coach is Tom Thibodeau. I was just thinking more and more like Tom Thibodeau is not going to want to coach like an obvious 25 win team. He's not going to want to like wait around. No. And and
2: I'm sure the fan base is not super jacked about that. (laughs) Like if I were, if the Thunder hired Tom Thibodeau, I'd be mortified, you know,
1: probably. But on the other hand, if they brought in enough guys, like let's say they brought Chris Paul in and, and a few other guys yeah. and we're somehow able to get to like 45 wins yeah. and like people are talking about the Knicks again and oh, the Knicks are in the playoffs and they're the seventh seed. Mm-hmm. Like all those fans would all of a sudden be excited because yeah. somebody would be talking about the Knicks in June.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was very exciting to be a Thunder fan this year. I get that.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences, like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to michelobultra.com/courtside to learn more.
1: But yeah, Spe- speaking of the Knicks real quick, um there's a video which you can go on NBA Reddit to get it if you want to watch it, and it's called backstage Lakers mm-hmm. and it's about how the Lakers coaching staff and video coordinators prepare for each game. And it's like a little eight minute thing, but it's really interesting because they happen to be filming on a game day when they, when they were playing the New York Knicks. And so oh. it starts with their video coordinators coming in at like 5:30 AM and starting to cut film and like make all of these video Uh, like showcases for all the players and coaches that they could watch on their iPads. And then you get to go into the coaches meeting and Vogel is just like, this is a really good team. Talking about the Knicks. This is a really good team. (laughs) Like they don't have any star guys, but there's, there's a lot of guys that scare you. There's a lot of guys that scare you on this team. And it was just amazing. The amount of preparation that the LA Lakers, NBA champion LA Lakers, were putting into some like random January game against the New York Knicks. I mean, it was insane the level of detail, and from everything you hear, like the level of detail and preparation jumps exponentially in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so this is just what they were doing for just a regular. I mean, the Knicks were a twenty-five win team, and the Lakers were spending hours and hours pouring over Knicks film. <laughs> And, and Vogel's like talking to the guys like hey guys they're because this was after their head coaching change like they're 5 and 6 in their last couple games like they're really turning things around like we we can't take this which is what you have to do but and and I think instinctively I knew that the good teams did prepare this way mm-hmm. but just to see it was like wow like that's why Vogel is like a good like I watched that video and I'm like, wow, Vogel's a really great coach. Like, he was there at like 6 a.m. on this game day. Of course, he knows he's getting filmed. So I'm sure that factors into it. They're not going to make fun of the Knicks in front of the cameras. Right. But still, you
2: could, and you wouldn't get killed for it. People would probably, everybody collectively laugh together about that.
1: Yeah. But just the level of preparation was amazing, and I'm sure it's true for most good teams. I'd love to see like the prep for every team in the league, just yeah. to see how they differ. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really impressive, though. And then they go into that coach's room, and you have like Lionel Hollins, and you have Jason Kidd, you have like all these really high-level assistant coaches. It's impressive. I was impressed by the Lakers' coaching staff.
2: They're very good. I don't yeah. know if, if you remember, uh, Vogel did a podcast with Zach Lowe years ago, and talked just about his level of preparation and about how he just really didn't sleep a whole lot. And they talked about like taking these like power naps and stuff and how he would like sleep in his office on a on like a couch or something. And I was I was I was impressed with him back then. This was when he was the Pacers coach.
1: Um, I I mean, I've always heard that even about like the video coordinator jobs. Um, In fact, somebody on the comments for this video was like, yeah, I know not one of these video guys, but a video guy for another team. And he said, it's basically like working two and a half full time jobs because everyone knows that everyone that there are a ton of guys who want that job. Yeah, there are a ton of people who want that job. And so you have to go 100 percent every single hour of every single day. Mm -hmm. And it just drains you over time, Mm. unless you are like really like in love with basketball. If this is not your passion, (laughs) it would just apparently run you into the ground doing one of these jobs. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, for the athletic mode Dekeel uh, was a video coordinator for the Clippers and for the Spurs. One, one other team. I can't remember which, but yeah, I mean, he's talked about how much detail you have to, have to have and how much work you have to do that it's it's insane uh
1: and then uh there was uh, jared dudley was on the bill simmons report kind of going along yeah. with this but they were talking about uh frank vogel and why he was such a good coach for lebron mm-hmm. but he was giving an example of like in the playoffs in the first round vogel came up with like some adjustment for the blazers and and presented it in a pre-game meeting and lebron just started like clapping he like stood up and started clapping because he <laughs> thought it was such like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome.
2: Because I mean, how, if you were to pull like all NBA writers before the season and say, which coach
1: is getting fired this year? Oh, absolutely. And that's why I'm kind of torn on this idea. And I, you saw both sides of it after the Lakers won. It's like yeah. on one side, it's, well, they have, you know, two of the top five guys in the league. Like, of course they were going to win. And then on the other side, you have those videos that people have made showing all the pundits at the beginning of the year, which it kind of brought me back of like how much fun we were making of that Lakers roster, mm-hmm. you know, cause they have like Dwight Howard and Rondo and like, just all these guys you are like, who cares? Like these aren't nothing here is getting me excited. Yep. And you start thinking about their defense and there were all these tweets from like big accounts talking about like the Lakers are going to have a terrible defense. Like the Clippers are going to eat them alive. Yeah. And it was kind of nice to get back in that frame that frame of mind from last summer where, like, it wasn't assumed that the Lakers were going to win the championship. And, in fact, a lot of people were down on the Lakers. Mm -hmm. So are you on the side of, like, we just underrated them and we should have always recognized that these are two of the top five guys? Or do you give the Lakers a little bit more credit for, like, Putting together what they did with 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 a roster that I still don't love. <laughs> I still look at those players like, would you be excited if the Thunder went out and signed like a free agent Dwight Howard or Rajon Rondo? Like, assuming no. we brought back this same team, we're trying to add a few more pieces for the playoffs. Would you be excited if we brought in Kyle Kuzma? Would you be excited <laughs> if we brought in like any of these guys? No. No. Like they still they still aren't exciting me.
2: This is the LeBron effect, though, right? I mean, he's done this throughout his entire career. He's played with guys that aren't great. I mean, he made Tristan Thompson into like a near max player on the Cavs, right? Yeah. Like, when was the last time you heard the name Tristan Thompson? It's been a while. I mean, not. I haven't. I haven't spoken his name on the podcast probably since LeBron was on the Cavs. He probably just got pinged. <laughs> I mean, Matthew Dellavedova. Was he, did he have a career outside of playing with LeBron at all?
1: No, he, I think he got paid though.
2: Yeah, he did get paid. LeBron got got that guy paid. I mean, he's been doing this his whole career where he just, he can, he just elevates everybody's game around him so much to where if you're even close to a pro, he makes you look. Like you're actually a good role player. Like I feel like Alex Caruso is one of those guys. Alex
1: Caruso was out of the league. <laughs> now that is one guy where if the Thunder traded for him or or like signed him, whatever he is in the offseason, Thunder fans would be pretty pumped. Pretty pumped and jacked.
2: <laughs> I also think that he'd be a disappointment. Yeah, he would be. I don't think he could he you can't do the same things without LeBron next to you. That's just a fact and so he's just been doing this his whole career it doesn't it honestly doesn't really matter who lebron has around him except for if he has another big time star next to him i mean that's when he has had his ultimate but at success. but
1: at the same time i feel like it takes him doing that again and again for people to recognize that oh yeah that is like what lebron does and i'm i'm guilty of it too i mean the other thing i was thinking about was coming out of last season where LeBron has his first, like, quote-unquote major injury of his career where he's out for an extended period of time, he's getting older. Like, there was a very easy argument to make going into last season that, like, LeBron's not done, but he's definitely, like, in the twilight of his career. Yeah. And Anthony Davis has never really done anything as, like, the lead guy on his team. Mm -hmm. So I, I honestly think it made sense to, like, downplay the Lakers' chances going into last season. And I just want to give them credit for like completely proving me wrong, even though it feels so dumb now. It's like, why did I think this about LeBron James? Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, he's done this with guys year after year after year, and he just did it again. And now we're going to overcorrect, of course. <laughs> Lakers will be like prohibitive favorites going into next season. Yeah. And maybe they should be. Maybe they should be. And maybe. LeBron will be like the front runner for MVP. I mean, there's yeah. no way Giannis puts up the stats he puts up this year or even a little bit better and everyone's like, yeah, let's give it back to back to back to Giannis, the guy who like can't get to the finals. Like no one's going to do that now. They're going to make him prove it. It's
2: kind of like James Harden a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Where like James wins and like James is like voted really high and then he loses in the playoffs so, so many times. That you're just like, okay, like, prove to me that something's different. Like show me right. something that's different. Like sh- Prove me- to me that this matters. That any of this matters. Exactly. Which it's. I think that that will be an interesting storyline. The Bucks are, will be very interesting, and I think that pressure could make him leave if he doesn't. If they don't make the finals this next year.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny in retrospect thinking about that 2016 season. Like it was rough going through it, but I don't remember really thinking too much about like the free agency question. I mean, I, kn- I remember it came up in like January of that year. I think mm-hmm. Ethan Sherwood Strauss was the first one to like drop the Warriors suggestion. Yeah. But I just remember that year more for just how disappointing the team was in yeah. that like all-star period, all-star game period. Yeah. And then how, and then how great the playoff run was, but I wasn't thinking a lot about free agency during that time or at least i don't feel like it in retrospect maybe we were talking about it on every single show
2: we weren't because kevin never gave any indication that that was, never gave any indication that he was going to go anywhere else right and he like actively told people <laughs> that he wasn't going anywhere so and it was just assumed that he was going to stay i mean a lot of people thought he'd stay and i don't know it got it got weird real fast Kevin, I mean, has anybody's reputation changed faster than Kevin Durant's? Because no. he was like the golden child of the NBA. I mean, I firmly believe he would have at this point multiple MVPs, maybe multiple titles, maybe just one if he would have stayed with OKC. The dude is ne- probably never going to win the MVP ever again just because he's just not liked, right? I mean, he, what would he have to do to win the MVP next year?
1: I mean, they'd, they'd have to be the number one C in the East, beating out like Raptors, Celtics, Bucks. Yeah. I mean, he, he'd have to be right back to where he was with the Warriors. I mean...
2: 33, 8, and 4, with two steals and two blocks, 50, 40, 90, you know, 63 games, you know, win 63 games, something like that.
1: And I can't believe he's already 32. Somebody mentioned that the other day. I just wouldn't have pegged him at that high. Yeah. yeah 32. I mean, he's, he's
2: getting, getting up there. He's getting up. There. I mean, he and Ross and Harden are getting up there, man. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, you want to answer some of these questions? So we can get out of here. Sure. Uh, Hot Zone Shay wants to know: What do you guys think of Darius Baisley's ceiling? Oh, what is that?
1: Uh, what it's term? a thing for a tent. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Baisley ceiling. Yeah. Uh, I mean. <laughs> absolute ceiling, how I feel right now, would be like fringe all-star. I'm talking ceiling, like absolute ceiling, Absolutely. if everything worked out right. Yeah. Like a fringe all-star, someone who's not going to get make the all-star game, who's not even going to be the replacement if someone gets hurt, but who some, who, who a few people, a few smart people are going to say, you know what, Darius basically deserves some consideration. He deserves to be in the conversation. He deserves a seat at the table. So he's like not
2: saying that he is this type of player, but he could be this level of player, like is level.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like that type of of, of a level of player. That's, sir- that's how I feel right now in terms of his absolute ceiling. Yeah. I don't think that's
2: crazy. Because I mean, like how many, or also like John Ham's made this comp, but how many All-Star games did Lamar Odom make? Did he make an All-Star game?
1: Oh man, I would assume he did, but now I don't know. He had to have Lamar. I you mean, know, Lamar Odom was so good, he was great.
2: I mean, if he could, if
1: the candy man, yeah, he never made an all star game,
2: yeah, I didn't think so. Maybe that's a level, maybe that's the peak level when it's talking about like a type of player, yeah, and the level of player. Maybe that's like his absolute peak. Lamar Odom should have been an all star, by the way, like he had all star level talent. Um, he was just a big dumb dumb.
1: Yeah, he was so awesome. Yeah, the, the difference I would say though is Basley does. I mean, even already in his first year, and especially in the bubble, like he's aggressive. He's aggressive offensively. Mm-hmm. Like he goes and gets his. He does not wait around. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it that makes me want to project him even higher in terms of his ceiling, just because he's not a guy that's gonna. It seems like it's gonna take a while. Like he's, you know, you were talking about how Steven Adams will like never shoot a three yeah. until he is absolutely 100% certain that time is ready. Whereas like basically is a complete opposite of that. Like he made, he was doing things by the end of the year that we would like have never guessed that he would be able to do in his rookie season. I know. Cause he's just constantly trying things on the court. Yeah. And he just turned
2: 20. Still very young. He's, He's certainly a wild card in this whole rebuild. Because if he turns out to be a starting level player in the NBA, that is a, I mean, that I cannot understate how big of a deal that is. Um, And also mostly because of his versatility. He's a lefty. He can guard multiple positions already. He can play really three through five already. And I don't know. He's interested. Somebody was asking the question. I can't remember who it was on Twitter, where he would go in this draft this year. You have any thoughts on that?
1: Uh well, real quick, Bet Edwin said, Have you ever compared Basley's stats to Domas's rookie season? They are identical. I gotta say, that's like an argument against Baisley for me because Sabonis was so bad, and his rookie season stats are so bad, and obviously it was not reflective of the player that Sabonis was, but that actually scares me more. Why, Why does it scare you? Because the stats were so bad. And like, we knew that Domas was in a bad position that season that he was either playing out of position or just wasn't in a good system for him. Whereas I don't think you can necessarily make that argument with Baisley. I mean, Baisley was given a lot of freedom in ways that Sabonis wasn't. So if they're putting up similar, terrible stats, I might need to lower that, uh, lower that ceiling a bit in terms of where Baisley would go. I'd put him like late lottery. Maybe maybe right behind uh recently lotteried man RJ Hampton.
2: Yeah. In that yeah. And you can make arguments that Hampton would be more valuable just because he does have that burst of speed as a guard. That's really hard. I mean, that's hard to find. But we'll um, put him above Aaron Naismith. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's let's get Aaron Naismith out of here.
1: Oh, somebody said Bayes is our bam. Bayes is our bam. <laughs> He's gotta put him. on a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you look at
2: Bayes' stats. He was thirty-four, almost thirty-five
1: percent from three.
2: The thing he didn't he didn't play as many minutes as Sabonis, did he?
1: Uh, no. Sabonis played a ton of minutes. Yeah, he played a lot that rookie season.
2: I don't know. Basically, to me, the difference in projecting is that Baisley already defends at a at a really good level and on the perimeter and close to the basket. And so if you believe in the shot, which I don't know if you can even use the playoffs as a if you believe in the shot statement, because he was, well, it's, it's kind of, he was 22% from two, <laughs> but he was 50% from three. <laughs> if you believe in the three-point shot, He's got to get stronger. He's got to be able to finish around the basket. That's what killed him. He didn't take very many shots um, from two. Uh, So he took 22 threes in the playoffs. He was 11 of 22. You know how many two-point attempts he took? In the bubble? In the playoffs. Uh, 20. Nine. Nine. He was two of nine. So, I mean, like, when you say 22%, you're like, oh, Boy, That includes dunks, it includes any two point shot.
1: Man, I think of him more as like a get out and transition guy. I'm surprised there weren't more like easy layups there.
2: Yeah, it uh, it wasn't there. Yeah. I think the other he had one thing, dunk. he had one dunk, he
1: had one dunk. Had one dunk. Yep. The other difference in comparing them is that Sabonis was so much more developed by that point. I mean, coming out of Gonzaga. I mean, everyone knew what skills Sabonis had. Yeah. We just weren't able to show them off in his time with the Thunder. Whereas Baisley was basically a blank slate. We knew nothing about what his skills were. Yeah. And everything we learned was like a brand new piece of data.
2: Yeah. And he was basically so, a year older than uh, yeah, Baisley's true. coming into the coming into the league. Which is not that big a deal. But yeah. I mean, you look at his his stats. I mean, Simonis was thirty two percent from three, so not quite as good. Thirty nine percent from the field, sixty five percent from the free throw line on like no attempts.
1: On no attempts, it was a bad rookie season. I I had honestly given up, and it was just <laughs> because he wasn't being put in a position to succeed.
2: Yeah, and he he was he couldn't have been on the Thunder that year.
1: But that's what's so weird because that, I mean, that was an important season or we thought it was an important season. Um, it was just weird that they were so excited to go draft him.
2: This, the, and then, they were thinking of the future. They weren't thinking. The, the present stuff was more like, let's just like, let's just see what he could do. Like, could Can he do this? Like, we don't know.
1: But we, Yeah, but they were starting him. It wasn't like they were easing him into anything. Yeah, because I mean, the belief
2: in him was so high. And it's, I mean, it still is like that. Sabanis is one of their favorite draft picks ever. I mean, he's, he's one of their guys. And the belief in him was, was so tremendous that it's like we can play him out of position just to get him on the court because we believe in him to play the right way and to defend and to play hard and make good passes. And if he can hit threes, great. If he can't, we're going to eventually get rid of Cantor. And if we have to to make way for him, we can get rid of Adams. That was that was always the thought. It was never like, okay, this year let's maximize Sabonis. It was never that they knew they couldn't. It was impossible. You either, if you were trying to maximize him, you the, the minutes weren't there. The minutes weren't there.
1: I mean, honestly, trading him after that rookie season for Paul George like that was maximizing everything.
2: Yeah, the Pacers and, and a lot of it's funny because at that point, they're not really going off of what he was doing in Oklahoma City because everybody knew that he was playing the wrong position. They're still right. looking at Gonzaga stuff, like oh, or they're looking at the pre-draft stuff <laughs> that they that they knew. Like we, what what do we know about this guy? Well, one we know for sure he's not a four. One we for sure know he's not a guy that's going to hit above the break threes all the time. Like That's not going to be his job. His job is going to be he's going to be an outstanding rebounder. He's got crazy touch in the paint. And if he can learn to use his right hand, like he's going to be a monster.
1: And he's a monster. He is. And maybe, and he, maybe the future of the Pacers. If uh, Oladipo and he's the best Miles player. Turner are he's moved. He's the
2: best player on the Pacers already.
1: <sighs> yeah, that's, I don't think that's a good thing. You're not a Domas guy. Well, if your best player is Domas, like, good luck. That's the
2: Pacers, though, man. That's they're, 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 There's organizations that are content with, like, just being in, in the game, just being but, in the conversation.
1: But two years ago, you would have said, like, wow, they have this core of Oladipo, Sabonis, Turner, and then they bring in Brogdon. It's like that was building towards something. Yeah. And And now it it feels, yes, like you're just back in the Quagmire, just hanging out in the middle. They're totally cool at that. Thunder, not cool at that. Hey, We'll see. They better trade someone, Andrew, because that's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to be. I I listened to your Monday pod. You guys had us around the 10th spot in the West. That's no good. I don't want to be there.
2: If they keep Chris. Yeah, I know. I don't want to be there. Yeah, I don't want to be there either. Uh, shout out to Zach Prince and his new baby, Lyndon. Oh, uh, what's up, baby? Pure Thunder.
1: Big London. Shouts.
2: London. I thought it, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, help me. London. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, big, big shouts. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is Bangelo. Penny wants to know when is the draft? It's the 18th of November. Somebody's already answered that question below uh let's
1: see what is your guess for the target date for the nba news boom this quote-unquote summer i mean it's probably going to be like the week leading up to the draft is when we'll probably start getting some juicy rumors especially with these two first picks the first and second pick yeah are could i bet one of those will be traded don't you think oh it's gonna get juicy yeah at least one of those definitely so that week before, so we're looking like less than a month out from the news boom. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get some weak rumors in these next couple of weeks, but that week before the draft, that's where the good stuff's going to be. Yeah, I agree. It won't will, be long. Andrew, will we make a prediction now? Will we hear a rumor from a reputable source that the Oklahoma City Thunder are actively trying to move up in this year's draft? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs>
2: I, wouldn't get, I mean, here's how it would happen. It would be like similar to like this. I mean, and they were trying to move up to get Sabonis, but they were shopping Serge Ibaka to do that. I mean, they're shopping. They'll, they'll be quote unquote shopping Chris Paul. And if they can get the eighth pick from the Knicks in a deal. Cool. I think that they would, I think they would like that. And they'll probably take somebody way like off the wall. They'll take Killian Hayes or something, and we'll all be confused about what to think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That, I mean, there's a lot of stuff available. This draft is not great, and so if you're at the top and you need to, you need to be good. The Thunder have some guys that can help you be good today. Uh, there's not a lot of guys. Like I don't, I, I don't know if. Obi Toppin is going to make you a better team. I don't know if Denny is going to make you a better team today. I don't know. I I know that Anthony Edwards is probably not going to make you a better team today. Or James Wiseman, probably not going to make you a better team today. That's another guy. Like if the Thunder could trade for the number two pick and take James Wiseman, I'd be pretty pumped and jacked about that. Really? Yeah. He just got, a, he, he could end up being the best player in this draft class. Really could be, he's got he's got the potential to shoot it, and he doesn't excite me. He can move like the dude can really really move. He's not he's not Gobert, like the dude can move. Yeah. Uh, if if the Thunder thought he was the guy, I'd be pretty pumped and jacked about that. I don't know. I don't know if they do. I think Okongwu is a safer pick because I I think you got it right there.
1: Jesse Holland said, will we always act like each of our next picks will be starters? It feels like we're asking for a lot. Basley's signs of good stuff, but if we do this forever, it'll be disappointing. Am I just dumb? Uh, I think we talk about them as starters because we hope the team tanks. And <laughs> so by default, they would be starters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, like at this point, it just doesn't matter because regardless of how we project them, like they're probably going to lose a lot of games playing these guys a lot of minutes simply because they're young. Mm -hmm. Um, There are young guys that do affect winning that are actual NBA starters, but it is hard to pick those out. And someone like Baisley, like, I just don't know what to say. Like, it's so, it still feels like such a blank slate that, you know, that's why I said his absolute ceiling would be like, The way we talk about Lamar Oda, maybe, where it's, you know, he's, he didn't make an all star game, but he's respected as like a good quality NBA starter. But that's his ceiling. Like the, the, the median outcome, the median outcome for Baisley is just like maybe an energy big off the bench,
2: multi tooled energy big off the bench that can come, come off the bench, hit threes, change a pace type of guy because he can grab and go. He's already, he's already that.
1: But he's not like a good version of that yet. He was good in the playoffs. He was good in the playoffs. But he, he, it's like, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, he's still playing a decent amount of minutes in the playoffs. Yeah.
2: He played a lot more than I thought he would. And I honestly thought he should have played more. He was, he was legitimately good in the playoffs. He hit enough threes. He played good enough defense to where I think you could watch it. Like he was helpful on the court. And I don't think there's any doubt about that.
1: But yeah, I think we have to act like each of our next picks will be starters. Like, especially when if we're picking high in future drafts. They will just cause there's no one else on the team. They will they will start by default. And they will start out
2: of developmental minutes. Like that's why they'll start is because you want to see what you've got. And you know, Will Hardy's gonna have a big, big job in front of
1: him. Yeah. Uh, don't you mean Dan Craig? I mean Dan Craig. I mean, Dan- I'm I'm on team Dan. You're on team Will. <laughs> You're a big Dan man. Uh, yeah. Your guy has only he watched his first basketball game in 2013. Dan has been with the Miami Heat for 17 years. He's old, get him out of here. Get the old man out. Of I here. wasn't even born yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, either one of those guys are. I mean, those are interesting guys that would be willing to kind of cut their teeth as an NBA head coach.
1: The reason why I leave it is because we went through this whole period of talking about potential head coaches for like two weeks on Thunder Twitter. Yeah. And I, I never really heard those names talked about at any significant length. So now everything's calmed down and now these two random names pop up to the top. So now I'm feeling like, ooh, ooh, this might make sense. Even though we haven't heard like an official report.
2: Yeah, there's not an official report. These are still largely rumors. And it's, and maybe it's not even that these two names are the names that are on the list for the Thunder, but it's going to be guys like that. It will be, it will be assistant coaches like this uh, that will get a chance to coach the Thunder.
1: Hey, last thing yeah, before we go. Do you agree with me that it's complete BS? It's a sideshow what the Rockets are doing, saying that they're bringing in Ty Lue and Jeff Van Gundy for interviews. No one thinks they're hiring either of those guys. They weren't able to give Mike D'Antoni a guaranteed 5 million per year last summer yeah. they're only willing to give him 2.5 million guaranteed and if he got fired at any point during that season they wouldn't have given him the other half and now all of a sudden they're going to get like one of the two hottest coaching names who's probably going to ask for north of 8 million per year like, it's just all for show. And this is what the Rockets do every single year. They do it with players, any free agent. The Rockets say, oh, yeah, we're in him. We're, we're in on him. We're very interested in going after him. He would look great on our team, whatever. And they're doing it now with coaches. And everyone's falling for it, thinking they're going to get a big name. They're not going to hire either those guys. And if I have to eat crow on that, fine. But I don't think I will. I don't think they're going to hire either of those guys. I think they should hire Ty Lu If they want to win, hire Ty Lu do it. They don't. they don't. Why do we? But why, what has changed significantly in a good way for Tillman Fertitta from him to not wanting to pay arguably one of their best coaches of all time a fair salary last summer to now wanting to break the bank for another coach? Like I just don't buy it.
2: I mean, ESPN's story with Tim McMahon on Tyloo's coaching candidacy with the Rockets—it's gaining momentum after Monday's meeting.
1: Well, obviously, if you have an interview that's could gain momentum doesn't mean it's going to happen.
2: That's like one of those trick words that says that they're discussing like a real legit contract, gaining momentum.
1: I, w- I will be shocked and honestly pleasantly surprised for Rockets fans if they get yeah. like a big coaching name.
2: Yeah. I think he's a big coaching name that will... Ultimately, fail the Rockets because I just don't think the Rockets can really get to the top of the mountain. Anyways, it's probably true. So, but it's interesting, and I also like Stan Van to uh, the Pelicans. Oh, I love that! Love that! Yeah, get me there. I like that. Although
1: lot. we'd lose him, we'd lose him from TV, and he was really good. He's yeah, he's great.
2: He's he's hilarious and very good. So. Uh, thanks for listening to our show today. You can follow Alex on Twitter at albabycakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K Schlect. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. We appreciate you guys listening, tuning in, watching. If you're on YouTube or on Periscope, uh, you guys are the best. Make sure you leave us an Apple Podcast review. Five stars would be so helpful. I will read that on the Friday pod so uh, get ready for that hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday